Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm your beautiful business boy, Zach. How are you, Adam? <laughs> oh, I I am a, a corpse being reanimated by a giant fiery bird, Zach. Um, no, Adam, 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 you can't be a corpse. You were already a zombie. <laughs> Uh, vampire boy this you were a vampire this year already that's true and halloween halloween episodes next week so no you can't be a corpse all right uh i am sick and tired of the dang phoenix how about that yeah hey let's talk about the phoenix for a second so i on xavierfiles.com the latest and greatest source for all things x-men and or other marvel things i did and not just marvel we have some stuff we cover batman Mm -hmm. yeah and, and other all the jo- that are... all the jokers yeah man all three of them we got we got those uh we also cover a bunch of indie comics you guys should check those out because those are those are the passion projects of the site those are the stuff we enjoy talking about what i didn't enjoy talking about over on xavierfiles.com was a uh, little capsule review thing i did for avengers 37 so spoiler 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 uh, it's all about the phoenix and everything i s- heard about the phoenix and read i was like i hate this it makes me mad and luckily, we channeled that unbridled rage <laughs> into an episode all about the fire and life incarnate that burns inside of us and angers up deeply. Oh, my God. Uh, this, Who's this thanks to? Who do we have to blame for a, an episode of, of Phoenix Fire here? Uh, we've got Patreon supporter Jeremy Thomas to blame for this one. Jeremy... Uh, for those of you who don't know, went on over to patreon.com slash battle of the atom. And he said, listen, you, I think, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't know what Jeremy really said, but yeah, this is how yeah, I yeah, imagine yeah. it went. Yeah. Listen, you, I think I'm going to make you suffer. <laughs> he did. I think, he did. <laughs> I think I'm going to make you talk about Phoenix and song. <laughs> Oh, oh, this is a was it five issue series or six? This is a five. five issue hot flaming mess by Greg Pak and Greg Land. Worst Greg, Greg Land. Pock's a... Go ahead, talk about the good Greg for a second. The good Greg here. Uh, Greg Pak, actually a very good writer, has done a lot of things I enjoy. Sure, you would not know it from this mini series though. <laughs> It's not his best, guys. No. And this has got to be the hands down worst Greg Land art that we have seen and talked about on this podcast. Correct. This is bad. Listen, it's pretty bad Greg Land art. I don't know if I don't know if it's the worst Greg Land art. I'm going to tell you why it's the worst, because his beast is the most freaking. (laughs) He basically traced either a tiger or a lion and put glasses on it. It is so disturbing to look at. It's terrible. His beast, his beast is hard to stomach. I can, 
agree with that. Uh, Greg Land, uh, not one of my favorite artists uh, by a long shot. I was once afraid to talk to him at a comic convention, and the further we get from that, the sillier I feel. Yeah, I mean, look, we've talked before about his tracing. We've talked before about how every uh, one of the women that he draws needs to be like some sort of sexy pinup. It just, this is the epitome of bad Greg Land artwork. Like, have we talked about his weird mouths on dudes? We've talked about teeth, I think, like how he likes yeah, to just Yeah, he's have got weird. Big smiles, big teeth. Big old chonkers. Yeah. And this is also, I'm not going to cut Greg Pack, uh, Greg Pock any uh, slack here. This is a dumb story. It's dumb. Yeah, this, one, this one's also bad on that front. Uh, so this came out in 2005 in March. Uh, and they were doing, they were doing these mini series, uh, with the astonishing X-Men team, but not specifically featuring the astonishing X-Men team or not by the creative team of the astonishing X-Men team. Excuse me. So Joss and John Cassidy were not involved in these. No. Uh, so you got stuff like uh, Phoenix war song. You've got stuff like house of M. Mm-hmm. You got stuff uh, that's that's playing with these characters and them being the main X-Men team. Uh, but then it's doing doing what I call a bad job here. So this is a story. <laughs> it that's, is. I'm sorry. Dead, dead on there, buddy. It is correct. Yeah. Uh, so this is a story where uh, the Phoenix Force comes back. I've... Would this have been before? This would have been before M Day, so. Yes. Well, and that becomes important because M Day does some dumb stuff with Phoenix mm-hmm. too. I think I forget. Listen, the Phoenix is a really messed up kind of concept in general. Uh, you know the Phoenix from the Dark Phoenix saga, which arguably is the only really good Phoenix story. I'm hard pressed for another one that uh, there's the time we, that Rachel fights Galactus. That was cool. That one's good. I think we liked Phoenix in uh, the the Thor uh, story, the the Jason yeah, Aaron Yeah, but Dodderman. the Phoenix was my least favorite part of that yeah. Thor story. No, people just shouldn't use it. Well, well, well that's going to be Jason an Aaron especially theme. should not be using the Phoenix, and none of you have stopped him yet, which is really <laughs> upsetting to me personally, and the fighting tournament arc that's about to happen. Uh, but yes, in 2005, uh, no one should be using the, the Phoenix to come reanimate Jean's corpse and then have to have these ethical conversations about whether to, to take her out or not. And this also involves uh, a very, very like out of I, I don't know which comics Pac read to get an idea of Quentin Quire. It, it, it's, uh, it's he read the only comics Quentin Quire was in which at is that the time. Morrison run, but this this character <laughs> seems just like uh, it doesn't seem to have any semblance to what we saw in the Morrison run, and it's certainly not so, building the character up for what Jason Aaron does with him. So I would I would argue. Okay, let's let's put a pin in Quire for a second. Okay. Because I have an argument there okay. that I want to make, and I want to make it when we get to the actual story, because we've spent a lot of time complaining about this story, and I feel like there's going to be some listeners, and you know who you are, who are mad at us because they're like, I don't know what a Phoenix End song is. I don't either. 
I guess well, some Shi'ar would... were like, let's resurrect a phoenix from a phoenix shard, and then phoenix resurrects a Jean Grey corpse, and then they solve it with the power of love. That's the power of love. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. So, literally one calendar year before this came out, Jean Grey had died. Right. She she got uh. I guess she had a magnetic super stroke and died mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. the way that she definitely did. Uh, and this was their big, oh, we're bringing Jean Grey back because that's what she always does, even though that's only ever happened like once before this. But that's not the point. Mm. Um, the It just happens to be the most famous X-Men story. <laughs> the point, the point being... That the Phoenix comes back and causes a lot of havoc. Not not the boy, just like the concept. Uh, and Scott definitely says, well, gotta murder her. Right. <laughs> and everyone else is like, Scott, Wait is that your wife? Minute. And he says, we're going to murder her. And if she's my wife, I'm going to be very sad about it later. But until then, I'm going to assume we can murder her. Not you, Colossus. You're not allowed to come to our murder party. And Wolverine takes this very seriously, uh, repeatedly stabbing this Phoenix uh, Jean Grey corpse like over and over and over in a bizarre sequence. Yeah, it's very weird uh, to have Wolverine murder her so many times. Uh, And then out of the blue, we find out that, well, actually, the Phoenix Force really wants to feast on uh, punches from the punch dimension. Uh, You know, Cyclops' (laughs) optic blasts. Right. Sure. Why not? And then eventually they, they punch from the punch dimension enough that Emma gets the Phoenix Force. And Emma and Scott get thrown into a anti-Phoenix bubble that Hank McCoy just had lying around. Just happens to have a big metal volleyball that you could throw Phoenix into. Makes sense. Yeah. And Scott and the Phoenix-powered Emma definitely just, like, do it in front of all of their friends in a weird way in this clear glass bubble. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Like that... It's not, like, on the page, but it's about as heavily implied as you can get. They are they are exploring each other's bodies and the joy and erotic pleasures that come with it uh, <laughs> by him shooting her in the face with his laser eyes and her absorbing it. It's all very uh, uncomfortable with the Greg Land art. Uh, yes, that is maybe an understatement. Um, uh, Quentin is also trying to resurrect his crush. Yeah, so we all remember at the end of uh, Ride at Xavier's, Quentin Quire gets put into a tube because he turns into gas because he ascends to another plane of existence like he's an Akira or something. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. Right. Yeah, he's that's in a exactly te- what happens. He's in a big old test tube. Uh, he stops being in the big old test tube and has like, pseudo phoenix powers but not the full phoenix powers and decides to resurrect sophie Mm -hmm. uh cuckoo yeah the other cuckoos are not happy about this uh but in a beautiful moment quinted who's just like you know how you know how quentin choir in the morrison run was a mix of like an incel and uh like dirtbag terrorist boy yeah but he wasn't like all of either. Mm. And in Wolverine and the X-Men, when he comes back, 
he kind of drops the incel part and becomes a dirtbag uh, terrorist trash boy. Sure. But kind of just becomes a general jerk because, well, maybe we shouldn't have our heroes advocating for genocide. I think <laughs> I understand how they got to that. This Quentin Choir is just 100% incel. He's just like... I don't know. It's not recognizable as either. Like he has taken the red pill, is what I has guess. happened. I, I don't. He has strong feelings about men's rights. <sighs> it's just a weird characterization. It doesn't look like Quentin. It doesn't sound like any doesn't. version of Quentin. And it doesn't. It's bad. Um, and but but Sophie does come back to life, and when she finds out that she got brought back to date him, she says. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> and immediately just like says, I choose no longer to live. Yep. It just goes back to corpse. Um that that page That is, part's good. That page that's is the very best, funny. That's the best beat. Yeah. Um, even even though he does a bad job in most of this comic, Greg Land sells that beat. That part works. Uh I will say that the climax of the story, which is involves defeating the Phoenix with the power of love. That's the power of love. Does not work at all and is very goofy. So we're not exaggerating that part. No. And like sometimes sometimes we oversimplify stories for humor because it's funny. And I like to think that you get some enjoyment out of it if we're having fun. Um, they legitimately just use the power of love. and Cerebro to, like, make the Phoenix go away. Yep. That's it. They blow up the... the Gene blows up uh, the Shi'ar that are trying to blow up the Phoenix, and love saves the day. Like, they all literally stand around and hold hands and shoot their love beams from their hearts at her. It's it's a real bad double-page spread of um, some very, very bad Greg Land art. <laughs> And everyone's well, saying, here's the thing. Gene, if, you, if you haven't Gene. seen that spread, yes. you've seen bits and pieces of that spread because it's the most. Oh, yeah. I've seen this on this Greg Land cover and I've seen this on this interior. And it's it's his like it's his portfolio of poses that he has. The angel that is at the center of the double page the spread. The angel's very bad. It's so bad. Like his pectoral muscles are so wide. It is like, I don't know what. He was thinking when he drew that. It's terrible. Ah, uh, okay. You ever th- you ever think about how cursed we've gotten with Greg Landart and how even in 2020 we can't escape it because as excited as I am for a Vida Ayala story in Wolverine Black, White, and Red, or Blood, or whatever it's called, mm. uh, it's Vida Ayala uh, having to write Greg Land drawing. And it's like, oh man, Vida, <sighs> I'm sorry. You're, you're playing with a handicap right here. Look, Greg has gotten better than this. Has he? I I think he has. Better than this? However, this is among as, his worst. As we have noted in uh recent episodes, he is also still tracing. Uh I think since the last time we talked about him tracing, uh LaRocca has also been caught tracing again. Um Well, like yeah. <laughs> so uh, these deadline hitters, man, uh, I guess they, they just keep getting hired, but this is, this has got to be the like lowest of the low for, for land. I mean, I, I, this is really tough to look at. Um, it's a hard one to, 
to look at and enjoy. There's a cover on here that has somehow become an iconic cover. And it's of Jean Grey in her Phoenix clothes on fire doing a sexy point at people. And I hate it. Mm. It's weird. Hey, is it weird how is it weird how several times in this story they remark, "Oh wait, no, you're you're the good side of the phoenix right now because you're wearing your green outfit." Yeah, the 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 costume it's, changes are weird, and the I it's weird know. that they're like explicit about, "Oh no, when she changes colors, <laughs> then she's evil." Right, because then at the end she changes into the white costume, and they're like, "Oh, we fixed it. We fixed it with yeah, love." I, I got a white phoenix, white hot phoenix <laughs> on the crown. Over there. It's nice. I like it. Uh, um, Man, this is a bad one. It is. Let's put uh, it on why? our list. Are you Wait, our list? Yeah. You know, our big Are you talking? giant list of like 400 something stories. Um, It's 423 X-Men stories ranked from best to worst. The number one is Hoxpox. The number 100 on this list, which I've got to tell you, I'm going to start to like have a thing where like the Excel sheet we use just auto populates what this is every time. Mm. Uh, Cause it bothers me that I have to look uh, it's Excalibur uh, 61 truth and consequence, which for the life of me, which one's that? <laughs> I don't know. I'd have to go back and look. We must've liked it. Well, we, is that, is that I'm, Phoenix versus Galactus? Yes. That's the one where Phoenix and Galactus fight. I don't know why we called it by the real name instead of Phoenix and Galactus do a fight. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that that one's <laughs> yeah we should. That one's real good. Number two hundred on our list is X Men and Ghost Rider: Blood Trouble in the Big Easy. Number three hundred on our list is X Men: Deadly Genesis. Number four hundred on our list is Apocalypse: The Twelve. And number four twenty three is the Draco. Okay, so this is. Worse than Deadly Genesis. 100%. This is definitely a story for the 300s or, or lower. Uh, is it worse than X-Women at 388? That's the Milo Minara X-Women. Um... Let's see. I'm trying to look at what's around here. I mean, it's... above that is Onslaught. Below that is Spider-Man and X-Factor Shadow Games. Yeah, I think this is worse also than 390, which is Crimson Dawn. I think this is really bad. Um, Is it better or worse than that recent arc of extreme X-Men that we talked about where uh, with Gambit and the murder I mystery? Think I think it's... Mm. A lot comparable. <laughs> right. Right. I would rather read the Extreme X-Men, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think where I'd probably put my bottom is... Tell me where you'd put your bottom. I'd put my bottom right on... Uh, it's better than X-Men Forever at 397. Yeah. Yeah. Um is it better than Excalibur 1 through 4, Forging the Sword? That's Excalibur Volume 3 I, uh, with Igor Cordy. Yes, I think, it's, I think Chris, it's better than Chris that. I don't think it's quite that bad. Um, man, we're right there. Magneto Rex is better. That's at 393. What about... Is this better or worse than Young X-Men 7? I don't even remember that. What is that? 
that's the young X-Men story where they fight some weird Krakoas. Oh yeah. That was, that, that was bad. Let's, we'll give, uh, we'll give this the edge. I would say, let's put it at 394 below Magneto Rex. The new number 394 on our list is Phoenix and Song. Man, it's a good thing that Greg Pak learned his lesson and never made a sequel a direct sequel to uh, Phoenix End Song, isn't it? I'm We're so talking glad- about Phoenix War Song. You guys have already figured that out, though, right? Like, you know. Mm, more songs. Stop it. More songs for the war songs. Uh, we got we got Greg Pak uh, still trucking on this one. And I feel we're being justifiably critical of Greg Pak in general. Greg Pak's like he has that he has that uh, Hulk run that everyone likes. He has that Hercules run. Everyone likes. Greg Pak's pretty good. Sure. I'm not. A lot of people like his storm run. I'm not disagreeing with any of that, but we are going to talk some trash on this this second book as well. Because, my God, it has all of the same problems, except it's about the cuckoos. <laughs> yeah, this is Phoenix War Song. It's not a Jean Grey story, but the Phoenix does come back uh, and inhabits the Stepford Cuckoos. They are the three-in-one. Uh, it's Phoebe, Mindy, and Celeste. I guess it's just Celeste. I think it's just Celeste. Uh, I think it's just Celeste. It's Phoebe, Mindy, and Celeste. Esme and Sophie are dead still, but not very long. They also get resurrected as zombies again. Oh, my God. Stop it. (laughs) It's the same story. Winton Choir does not appear in this one, though. No. uh, This one is... He went back in his hole, by the way. He went back into his tube at the end of (laughs) Endsong, where he would remain. He was like, I take a nap. Um... We've got Sylvester doing covers, and the artwork here is by uh, Top Cow Studios. Tyler Kirkham is the uh, credited penciler. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Hey, Adam, are you a big Top Cow guy? I mean, I read some Cyberforce back in the like early 90s. That's about as far as I got. Um, I'll tell you, there's a there's like a year where... I go from really liking Silvestri to not really liking Silvestri. And I think it's like 1997. Oh, that's an odd. Okay. I'm trying to think because early Cyberforce stuff. Yeah. Okay. That works. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But like his, we'll talk about another story where I don't think his art really works later in this episode. Uh, but yeah, Silvestri is not my fave in his later years, and I appreciate that he did a lot of work to develop new artistic talent and give them opportunities through Top Cow, and I think that's great. I also don't like that he developed talent that looked like Mark Silvestri in his later years. Oh, okay. I see. So the the uh, <laughs> the distaste is not that he developed the studio to look like his work, but that it looks like not his earlier work, but his later work. Yeah, it's it looks like his work that I don't like. I see. I see. I mean, yeah, it's like spot on. He's doing he's doing it right. If he wants uh, if he wants people that look like Mark Silvestri, it's great. It's just me and Mark have differences of opinions about what. I like of his work. Well, and let's be clear. Tyler Kirkham is not Mark Silvestri. So Silvestri is doing covers here. And 
you, you flip into it and, you know, it does look more like an issue of the darkness or fathom, you know, one of the other top cow series um, that I'm sure Tyler Kirkham worked on. If that's not true, I apologize. <laughs> I'm not a top cow expert, um, but uh, it's just the artwork is not really doing the story any favors either, but the story is also not good. <laughs> it's about sublime summoning the three cuckoos back to um, weapon 15 in the world so that he can destroy all, all of mutants. And the, once we get, especially once we get into the, the sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like the scene from the matrix when they're all in their little pods um yeah um here's the thing because adam adam's glossing through this uh like you know all about john sublime and weapon 15 which is the cuckoos which we thought were the five in one but are really the million in one right right uh that emma frost when she was knocked out and living in the x-men's basement for a little bit uh did get uh her eggs taken from her now and now that that detail this is the first time that that's mentioned correct yes because we did know before this mini series about the origin of the cuckoos um we we knew that they were associated with the weapon plus program and that they were weapon 15 and that was it right um but we didn't know that did we know that sublime created them no no right we didn't know that we didn't know uh, that they were harvested from Emma. They di- we didn't know that sh- they were genetically Emma's daughters. Yeah. Uh, we just thought they were some weird blonde chicks that wanted to be like Emma, which is fair. Who wouldn't? Uh, we don't know a lot about this, and that's what makes this weird, uh, especially because you'd think this is a really good opportunity. You've got uh, three to five girls who are very similar. Maybe to uh, let you know how each one of these cuckoos tick. Um, but instead... They all act the same, mm-hmm. which is par for the course, but does make for a weird lead character when not only do they all act the same, but they all act like weird mindless drones the entire comic. Like, that's a that's a weird choice not to use this miniseries as an opportunity to inject a little bit of personality into them. And, uh, and not like only... you could with a show like The Gifted that shows that you can do the cuckoos and give them like a distinct personality and a distinct like driving force that makes them more than blonde. Yeah. And thank God for uh, for, you know, what Bendis did for those characters. I, I, I I'm almost <laughs> troubled by the way in which they've been uh, switched back as the five um, in Hawksbox because I really do love the uh, the independent personalities that were developing under Bendis. But okay, okay, but I don't think that's all gone. I don't think that's all gone. No, we still see under hints Bendis. of it, right? We or see not, it under in, we in see the Hawksbox stuff. We see it in Cable, right? You know, we're... you see it in Cable. Yeah, with Esme. Yeah, you see that Sophie is the like still the leader, leader, and those are the two that were dead. They also had the most personality beforehand. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, do I wish that Mindy and Phoebe and Celeste got a little bit more to do? Yes. Yeah. Um, but you win some, you lose some. There's a billion characters, a... including the billion of the cuckoos that there are. Yeah, and it is again like just like um the the end song cyclops is basically like let's go kill him 
And it's like, wait, what? Gotta murder some children, y'all. This is what schism is all about. You're just gonna go and kill the kill your students? Like, what is this? He's got some Phoenix related oh. trauma, and I can appreciate that. Uh, but this one's this one's weird because it turns out that Weapon Fifteen, the Cuckoos, was a experiment that John Sublime had made uh, of this psychic neural network thing. That would absorb a lot of ultimate power like the Phoenix and then use it to kill all the mutants, which is a weird plan. It, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and it's a weird plan. What, what would have been, I think, a much more interesting miniseries is if they had explored the origin of the Cuckoos and, like you said, give them more characterization. But instead, the, they're weapon 14, not 15. I'm sorry. Excuse uh, me. I've been getting that. Thank you. I, I, I that was my mistake earlier. Um, but the. Who can even keep track? <laughs> there's so many. The There's a couple of issues here. One is that the artwork can't distinguish even between the Cuckoos and Emma Frost. They all look like the same character. So you're not even sure yeah, who's talking half the time. And then the majority of the action takes place in the last three issues in the world, which should be this really visually exciting thing. And it's not. It is basically. Oh, it's so boring. It's drab and gray. It's all these gray uh, tentacles and green test tubes and like uh, egg chairs. And it, you can't even tell what's going on, frankly. Like if you look at any other appearance of the world beyond this one. Right. They try not just to ape what Chris Bachelot does in Assault on Weapon Plus, but to realize that the world is ever-expanding, ever-changing, and ever-evolving. So keeping it the same, like the only the only indicator we get that this is the world is A, it's a big dome on the outside, right. and B, there's the brain cop cars. Mm-hmm. Briefly. That's it. Briefly. Where every other appearance of the world's like, you want to draw some wild stuff? <laughs> no wild stuff. Want to draw whatever? No. Uh, and it makes for a very drab palette. It's just not, just is not an interesting story. Um, it should be, though. Yeah. Like, I love the Cuckoos as a concept. Oh, me too. I like them in a lot of things that I've read. Yeah. But they don't work here. And in fact, Greg Pock, he leaves something on the table for them. And I think it's the worst possible decision you could make with a character. It's the most break a character kind of decision you could make in a miniseries like this, where he says, by the way, now they can never feel emotions ever again. And one, they weren't doing a lot of that to begin with. And two, that just makes them worse characters because now they're all holding a shard of the Phoenix inside of them. And they have to keep their hearts made out of diamond for the rest of their lives. Least the Phoenix gets out. Yeah, I don't think anybody remembers that that happened. <laughs> I like to think one of them just like hecked up one day and just got like jealous, like, uh And then the Phoenix came out and they said, they all looked at each other and said, no one can know. <laughs> um. Anyway, I mean, there's a lot to play with here, especially with Emma Frost as, as a, a maternal uh, caring character that could have been explored it, it's not really um and it- what's weird about that that and i think this book actually mentions something about it it may have been end song but if you read the the cuckoo's entire like chronology right they 
aren't really Emma's best friends. Like, especially after Grant Morrison's run. No. Like, they start out as, like, we love Emma. Emma's our idol. And Emma lets them down when Sophie dies. Mm -hmm. And then they follow Scott. They are on his team of new X-Men. They follow him to everywhere. Like, they are Team Scott 100% after that. And it's always weird to me that they were like, but what if they really did like Emma? Because I think that's such a, I think that's such a fun twist on them that actually they hate Emma. They <laughs> love her boyfriend. Yeah. They think he's just like, not not in a weird way. They just think he's a real solid dude and they want to look up to him. Yeah. Yeah. Man. Uh, even though he tried to kill them or wanted to go. Well, to be fair, <laughs> to be fair, again. They were trying to kill everyone. Sure, why not? Um, I, I don't know. Um, it's not enjoyable to read. It is real tough. It's not. And I would say that the as bad as End Song was, I think War Song is worse because the um, the layout and and the plotting of the story, like especially through the art, I just it gets so muddled and confusing about what's even happening by the end that I, I had very little interest. Like it was hard to make me care about what was happening on the page. That's interesting. Cause I think end song uh, is worse than this. Oh really? Okay. I, okay. Yeah. I think, I think end song is a failure of a story that doesn't even try to do anything. Hmm. This one tries, fails, but tries to do something new, tries to, even if it's pulling from continuity, pulling from newer, more interesting things to be like, hey, these are new toys that we could play with. And again, Greg Pak does a bad job playing with those mm. toys and ends up breaking a few of them. But he is trying. I also can appreciate Tyler Kirkham's art more than Greg Land's. To me... While I don't think he did a good job setting up the world as a visual place or did too specifically good of a job with, like, his characters, <laughs> I liked his action better than I liked uh, Greg Land's. I, I think that he just – when I saw his art, I was like, okay, this is art I don't enjoy, but it's still working as a comic, where Greg Land's continued to pull me out. I had the same reaction to both. I mean, they're both just a mess. I, if I was going to give the edge, I guess I would give it to Kirkham. Um, uh, if we're going to put this on the list, I think I would just put it right above end song and then call it a day. Cause it belongs in the same spot on the list. It's still really bad. And it, it parts nigh incomprehensible. Look, it's not very comprehensible, but I also, uh, know a lot about the weapon plus program and have thought about it several times. So I can, <laughs> to me, I was like, Oh yes, this makes sense. Y'all, y'all know about John sublime. Hold on. We'll <laughs> right. get to that. Uh, this is new three ninety four pushing end song down to three ninety five. Um, what well, we were talking about Mark Silvestri. So, uh, what's our third story here, Zach? Our third story is, uh, a story that, it has the Phoenix, it has the Cuckoos, it has some Top Cow action. <laughs> it's New X-Men 151 to 154. Here comes tomorrow. It's written by Gmo uh, with Mark Silvestri. 
Um, hey, so you remember... <laughs> you remember Planet X when Zorn revealed that he was Magneto pretending to be a guy named Zorn? I do. You remember how Jean Grey gets very dead at the end of that? You should. It was the crux of the last sure do. we talked about. Remember that. Yep. Do you remember Days of Future Past? I do. Yeah, so this is Grant Morrison ending his run uh, by doing a Days of Future Past for four issues. It's 150 it's his... years in the future, right? Yep. Uh, you got Wolverine here. Uh, our main character is a guy named Tom Skylark and his sentinel named Rover, uh, who only says destroy. destroy. <laughs> He's a Rover's a good boy. Rover should get to meet uh, Cerebra from Extraordinary X-Men. They would get along. Rover should get to meet all of the sentinels that the X-Men have commandeered over time. He was the first. Yep. That's the thing. It's a, I don't love it from a if you think about it too hard it's kind of messed up standpoint but it is a big old jack kirby robot so i kind of like that the x-men are hanging out with the big old jack kirby robot that says (laughs) destroy yeah we also have um a futuristic version of uh eva who has separated from phantom x and is now he's here too his name's apollyon the destroyer right uh, but, but Eva is now sort of like a super sexy silver babe alien type thing. This is true. She's not a UFO anymore. Uh, we also get the three in one are here. Uh, the Stepford Cuckoos, uh, the headmistress of the Xavier Institute, uh, is Cassandra Nova Xavier, uh, with her best friend, no girl who turns out to actually just be Ernst. Correct? No. Okay. So, so, so. One, I say no girl because that's how we discuss her now. She's only referred to in this story and in all of Morrison's run as Martha uh, because no girl was a joke that the uh, special kids were playing on uh, Zorn about how there was a mutant there who was invisible and was no girl. But then there was a girl who had no body and they uh, called her no girl instead. So the joke doesn't work anymore in retrospect. But... What's implied here is that Cassandra Nova uh, gets was turned into Ernst and reformed in the Xavier School. That continuity has forgotten, and they're different characters now. But Ernst never appears in New X-Men until after uh, the Cassandra Nova stuff ends. Got it. When, when they... <laughs> When they put Cassandra Nova's psychic form into, into a... the Shi'ar Inferior <laughs> Guardsman stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then have him transform into a little old girl. Uh, <laughs> Ernst is different now. We can't change that. But it's a nice, It's it, it is legitimately a nice moment when Martha and Cassandra Nova are like talking. And it's like, yeah, you can call me Ernst. Right. And all this. It's sweet. Uh, Cassandra it's also cool because it shows that, hey, even in this bad future, Xavier's dream, the school, the his goal of taking care of mutants lives on. And I think that's a very interesting way to do it. And following the tradition of having the X-Men live on with Magneto when Xavier had to go hang out with his space girlfriend for a while mm-hmm. uh, by having mutant kind live on through Cassandra Nova. Uh, 
It's wild. It's interesting. It's wild. It is wild. We also have... Uh, uh, also, Beak. Yeah, I was going to say, we've got Beak's, Beak's descendant who thinks that the original Beak is like a huge hero uh, living on his... his what is it? <laughs> great-grandfather, great-great-grandfather's legacy or whatever. Here's the thing about Tito Bohusk. He's a hawk boy, and he is ripped as all get out. He's buff, and he's got Beak's bat. He's got yes. Beak's titanium bat, and he's like, yeah, let's bust some heads. Let's do this thing. I love Tito. He is such a good character. Uh, now, my favorite part th- about this, Oh, though, Wolverine's here, too. Yeah, Did we you mention mentioned that? Wolverine. But my favorite part about he's this fine. has got to be the villain, which is an aged... Uh, white-furred beast who is basically just a, a husk for Sublime, and yeah. So wait, we need to do we need to explain John Sublime? We did explain him. He's a he's a, a bacteria that that has existed since the dawn of the earth. Yeah, and he friggin' hates mutants, right? Because something about mutants and being better than getting sick or something. It's a it, his motivations are bad here. This is muddled. Uh, anyway, and then Beast, he possesses Beast and then has Beast pretend that he's Beast, the Beast from Revelation. You know, the Bible. Uh, from the apocalypse of yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, John the Revelator. He also uh, is, instead of using, he's using a cuckoo-like system um, to replicate kind of like a, I don't know how to describe this. It's a nightcrawler, not really a nightcrawler clone. He's making, he's He's, making, he's he's making making chimeras. chimeras. I know he's making chimeras. He's making chimeras. And in fact, if you look at the chimera making station, it looks like, uh, the Arbor Moor or whatever, uh, from Krakoa where all of the eggs hatch. Cause he puts a, he puts an egg there. That's cool. And it's the Phoenix egg. It's kind of cool. Cause, they found the phoenix egg on the moon, and the proud people brought it back. Uh, the proud people all die. You don't have to know about them. They they do the Morrison thing where he comes up with a really cool name that describes a lot about what this character can do and then murders them. Mm. Yep. So these... It's like a Claremont NPC, but they are a superhero. And it's like, oh, Grant Morrison's just throwing away this idea? Grant Morrison's just throwing away this mutant whale? Okay, whatever. Yeah, I... Oh, yeah, there's... <laughs> There's Mermax. <laughs> the mutant whale. Oh, my God. Hey, even when Grant Morrison's doing nonsense, it's pretty enjoyable. <laughs> like, there's some good nonsense in here. Oh, yeah. He's... Bumble Boy is in here, uh, who was a, like a scion to the bee people, and he immediately gets murdered. Oh, man. By the way, there's bee people. They all get murdered, too. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of civilization crushing happening here. Um, it's the end of the world. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned that that Phantom X is in a, a new role here. Yeah, he's the last of the U-Men. He is Apollyon the Destroyer. Again, John Sublime did not actually read Revelation. John Sublime picked up Revelation from, like, the Left Behind series. Like, he looked at the titles that Tim LaSalle and Jerry B. Jones wrote and said, uh, okay, I'll, I'll pull up some of these words and I'll just say them a lot. And then <laughs> that's what that's what the the apocalypse is. That's Armageddon, right? Uh, which is someone who knows a decent amount about Bible. I'm like, oh, come on, Grant. You didn't even try. 
Well, it doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, uh, Jean Grey Phoenix is back and, um, you know, is supposed to destroy everything, but instead just basically saves the day. Um, she goes to the white hot room. That is the wildest part is there's like a Justice League of Phoenixes <laughs> or a Green Lantern Corps of Phoenixes inside there. I think I think. I think knowing Grant Morrison's Ofra up to here, it's very much a Justice League of Phoenixes. It's wild. It's a it's it's very much a everyone has superpowers now of Phoenixes. Um Do we mention they go to the White Hot Room? Yeah, do we mention though that like all of this actually is just about a single scene that was happening in the actual present time continuity? Yeah, okay, we gotta get to that because it's ucky. <laughs> so Gene goes to the White Hot Room. Uh, which transcends all time and space, and she uses that to reach into the past. Uh, because this all happened when Scott Summers walked away from the X-Men. He said, no more X-Men. My wife is dead. She didn't even like me that much before she died. This has really ruined my entire life, and no one can blame him. Sure. But Emma comes to Jean's grave mm-hmm. in front of Scott. Yep. Wearing lingerie. Well, she's wearing the original. The she's wearing the the Morrison costume, right? The quite. She's costume. wearing the Morrison costume with a like a fur hat and jacket yeah, over yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, but that's not appropriate grave attire. <laughs> Let's just start there, Mark. Mark, we know Emma can like wear a suit coat. Have her do that. Not this. We don't know what was in the script. Because... Regardless. They, uh, she's like, oh, what are you going to do, Scott? Just quit? And anyway, Jean reaches through time and says, live, Scott, live. All I ever did was die on you. Uh, which is what she says when she died right. that last time. And they make out on Jean's grave, and that's how the entire arc ends. And the entire Morrison run ends with, uh, Scott Summers and Emma Frost in skimpy clothes making out on his fresh grave of his dead wife. And that, that I don't care for. I think that's tacky. Yeah, sure. But it's not great. I love Emma. I love Scott. I love Jean. I have some decorum, my dear. I have appreciation for this arc because it is literally just throwing everything at the wall. And he does not care. Morrison does not care a whit. What makes sense, whether it all ties together, uh, it, it doesn't matter You know, like, he's just like, this is the last arc, and I am going crazy. Um, It's like he decided that he was never going to work for Marvel after this. (laughs) It feels that way. Uh, Well, that's what I know. I know. Um, You said you don't like this era of Sylvester. I I like the art in this a lot. I don't love this Sylvester. Okay. I think it's fine. It's It's not as bad as, like, Kirkham or something like that, but it's not my favorite. This is 2004. It's past prime Sylvester. I, I do ooh, think you make an interesting mm, point, though. Yeah, which is? No, prime Sylvester, prime Sylvester is 1989. We don't even have to start to argue that. Uh, but, no, I think you're making an interesting point here, which is this is Morrison throwing everything at the wall for good and bad. Oh, yeah. Because this story, I actually like how it starts. As it progresses and just rolls the, down the nonsense hill, yep. you're like... <laughs> Hold how on. much how much more are you throwing grant. at us grant like 
Can we Grant, slow down a little bit? This this should be a pretty straightforward story, Grant. You're making it harder than you need to. Mm. Uh, so that that's a challenge. I know people who absolutely hate this arc, and I don't think it's I don't think it has the same technical flaws as some of the other uh, arcs we've done. Turns out Grant Morrison does know how to write a comic book, so he's got that pretty pretty well handled. But there are things I don't love about it. I think it's a mess. It's, from a story standpoint, probably the worst part of Morrison's run. Uh, from an art standpoint, I mean, it's not Igor Cordy drawing a you know couple oh, of issues on. in record time. These are not; those are not even in the same like ballpark. Like they have to be in the same ballpark. It's the Morrison. No, run. I understand that. But hold on, what else is close? What else is close? In terms of in terms of art in the Morrison run, who else is close to that? Because it sure ain't quietly, uh, which means it's Igor Cordy. Because uh, Bachelor does like one arc, and I guess EVS who sucks did like two or three issues, but he just sucks, and so we don't need to dwell on him. I don't know. I <laughs> you okay? I would put it on par with the with the Bachelor stuff. Well, we're just gonna agree to disagree. I don't know. Like, I I don't have I issues. I love Chris. So do I. I love Chris. So do I. But I don't have. Uh, and I talked about some of the issues I had with his illustration in uh, Attack on Weapon Plus. Um, I don't have uh, many issues with the way that this story is drawn. I think Sylvester is incredibly talented. Um, I think he's much more, you know, a lot of people always, you always have those X fans that always want Jim Lee to come back to the X-Men and uh, that, you know, I I think if you actually got that, I don't know if you would get the same level of, uh, you know, of fluidity and emotion that you got with, you know, OG Jim Lee, right? Oh, absolutely not. You know? Um, whereas Silvestri kind of like he, he's loosened up to kind of a, a whole new level here. And I, I don't know. I think he's doing an excellent job here. Anyway. Okay. We should rank this. We should rank this. <laughs> this is Let's not hold back. nearly as bad as uh war and end song. Um, and I, no, no, the lowest ranked new X-Men story we have on this list is one thirty one assault on weapon plus. And I think this is, a good chunk worse than I that. would agree. I mean, it, just from a story, I like we can disagree about it's the a art, mess, but the story is definitely a mess. Here's, here's the thing number 200 is Brood Trouble and the Big Easy. I would rather, read of course, Brood Trouble and the Big Easy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I um, um, I am looking down the list. Hmm. I think it's probably better than. Dark Rain, the list Wolverine number one at two forty two, which is oh, kind yeah, of like definitely. a goofy world story that's that's got some Jason Aaron uh, quirks to it. I, I think it goes a good. Okay, okay, I think I found I found okay. it. I found my I found my. Yeah, tell talk. Uh, tell me your truth here. Speak your truth. My truth is it's probably not better than. Number 216, Wolverine 17 through 23, cocaine! <laughs> no, it's not. But it's probably better than number 221, uh, which is Wolverine Noir. Mm. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know what? I think it is probably on par with something like Legion Quest where, but this is, this is just a little bit more, even more sloppy and just kind of like audacious and out there. Um, Legion Quest is at 218. Mm-hmm. At 219 is Champions 12, which is that good Cyclops issue of Champions. Right. Yep. And at 220 is I Bagneto, mm. which is also a little sloppy. It's more important. Really, the last issue of I Bagneto is good, and the other two are. Mm. Right, right. The, the lead up to that. Um, uh, I think. I don't know. I mean, I'm tempted to put it above that just because of the sheer audacity of what Morrison is trying here. And because I really like the artwork. Um, but what was your take? I think my ceiling is champions 12. So if you want to go above, I Magneto, that let's fine. do it. This is our new two. This can be our new two twenty. So new X-Men here comes. Tomorrow. Yeah. So two stories I wouldn't touch again with a 10 foot pole. And one more that man, it's like watching, uh, it's weird. Uh, fire burn. That's <laughs> weird. <laughs> All right. Yeah, um, that's a weird one. We're done with the weird ones, guys. Uh, next week's Halloween, so we're going to do some stuff. Uh, but this week, you can thank Patreon supporter Jeremy Thomas. Thank you again, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, you want to be like Jeremy. You can get early access to episodes. You can get a whole episode built around one of your ideas. Uh, that's right. You can make us suffer. Somebody said, hey, you guys should have done the Malibu uh, Phoenix Resurrection arc. And I said, no, that has to be a whole episode of Malibu stuff because who else is going to <laughs> who... who else is going to talk about Gambit and Darkman or, <laughs> you know, the first exiles, you know, the exiles before the exiles were exiles when juggernauts on there Sienna right? blaze in juggernaut and uh who else is it reaper from the mutant liberation front they said well we can we can get rid of these we can spare characters. a couple people to this merger <laughs> uh but no we're not talking so about if that. you want us if you want us to talk about malibu uh again <laughs> patreon.com slash battle the adam hey adam what's up where can people find you online you guys you can always follow no. me on twitter at arthur stacy um about halfway through my Inktober, which is all uh, Ten of Swords drawings. and um, Hey, go look at his Red Root the Forest. It's friggin' good. <laughs> Thanks. All of them have been very good. And when Pepe Larraz says, wow, this is great, you should believe him because it's great. Oh, my God. And I can't believe it's that, a good, that he said that. I, I almost, That's a good pog. I almost fainted. The one that he saw. The pogger pog's very good, Adam. <laughs> Well, thank you, Zach. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, I've got I got stuff going up on Xavier Files every week. We got sword content for all that sword content that you crave from Ten of Swords. Uh, we also have other content. Uh, like, uh, do you like Warhammer 40k? We talk about that now. <laughs> I couldn't tell I don't you what know that is. Anything? <laughs> I think there's a man named Magnus Culver or something. And he has a he has very large shoulders. Isn't that, That's what I isn't know. Isn't that just about. a thing with like little tiny action figures that fight each other? It's a it's a tabletop. Yeah, 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 yeah. RPG. Yes. Yeah. See, I kind very famous hmm. Adam in nerd spheres. I gotta get more nerdy. I ain't. Are you kidding? I've got enough going on. I don't need. I don't need to paint miniatures. That sounds. That sounds like something that if that gives you joy, you should go after it. 
I've had attention to detail problems since I was four years old. <laughs> so this is not the right choice for me personally. Not your hobby of choice. Uh, no. Hey, next week, Adam. Yes. Uh, do you know what we're going to do? But We're going to celebrate Halloween. We are going to celebrate Halloween. It's Halloween time. So we're going to do some coasty stories and some Halloween stuff. Uh, but uh, before Halloween... Uh, important thing. I've been meaning to say this for weeks, but I have forgotten by the end of every episode. Hey, um, we stay away from politics in general, but it's uh, politics season, mm. and there's like a big election. So yes. uh, check if early voting is available in your area if you can. I have already voted. I have already voted. Uh, so vote. That's good. Hey, I voted for Joe Biden. And it's not that I necessarily love the man. It's that, like, I... Guys, like... Come on. Let's not screw around right now. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I feel you. We... I... We can't for any more, buds. We, we we had four really bad years. I don't want to make it I eight. I can't do four I more. Wanna have, I want to have four mediocre yes. ones that don't do what we need. Uh, Go vote. Yeah, go do that. Uh, Until then, guys, this has been Bally Adam. We hope you survived the experience. (laughs) 